1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: What up, y'all, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does, is senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. The
0: telephone was ringing wildly, but without results, since there was no one in the room but the corpse.
3: <laughs> the call is coming from down
0: the street. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're going to cover a topic today that is partially inspired by a little... Facebook Feedback. Yippee! And uh, the Facebook Feedback actually comes to us courtesy of one of our our listeners who, uh, well, he specifically wanted to know about why his phone had magically gone from a 3G notification to a 4G notification. But uh, that's really beyond this podcast. We're specifically going to be talking about... Uh, uh the generations of cell phone standards mm-hmm. and what's the difference between them because there's so much confusion there that to address that is more important really than a phone switching from 3g to 4- 3g to 4G and you'll find out specifically why when we get to the 4G discussion, and
3: uh if it's the reason I'm thinking of it's remarkably simple.
0: Yeah. Well, and this listener by the way, his name is Arthur, so Arthur big shout out to you. And uh let's go into the generations of cell phones. Now you may be confused somewhat about the various generations and what they mean and and uh and you know why is one phone a 2G phone versus a 3G phone, or maybe you've even heard of 2.5G or 3.5, or heaven help us, 3.75G phones? And the reason for this is because the force of gravity. <laughs> no, not they're, that kind of. They're G. pulling no, different they're not, G's. Not pulling that kind of G's. No, the G stand for generations, uh, and that's part of why it's so confusing. Is that you? Know, we tend to think of generations in terms of iterations. Yeah. Right. Over time, and so. Technically, if something comes out after something else has already come out, it's a later generation, right?
3: Well, typically, of course, uh, this is one of those times when marketing also factors into that, and we could get into that a little bit later. Not to pick on the marketers, I used to be in marketing uh, for a while. I'll pick on the
0: marketers. I've (laughs) never been in marketing.
3: Well, it's their job to sell you the new thing, and uh, part of the time these generations are an actual new technology, and part of them, part, part of the time, it's. When improvements are made to the technology to make it better, and even though it's not quite a new generation,
0: yeah, it's like well, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. See, that's part. that's the thing. That's why that it's confusing. There's and no, to add to that confusion, yes, there are two separate lines of cell phone standards that have developed over time. Arg. And, and there are, and there are branches that come off of those two separate lines, uh, but in general. If you want to go all the way back to the 1G technologies, uh, there were, there were three standards that were more prevalent than any other.
3: Yes, but there were multiple standards. Yes.
0: Now in the United States, that standard was AMPS, which stood for Advanced Mobile Phone System. Mm-hmm. And that was developed by Bell Labs. In Europe, you had two different standards that were pretty popular. You had TACS, which was uh, TACS, Total Access Communication System.
3: I sat on one of those once. Yeah,
0: not fun. Hurts. NMT is the other. That's Nordic Mobile Telephone. That's the kind of phone that Thor uses. <laughs> and uh, so, nice. yeah, it's Mjolnir. Um, <clears throat> the uh, so these are the these were the main standards, and these were all analog mobile phone systems. Yes. Um, actually, there's one,
3: two. There's one, two. There's twelve. Um, there's a uh, another that we mentioned, I believe, during the uh, the uh, podcast when we talked about the BlackBerry yeah. uh, Mobitex. Yes. Um, but and and these are all are to think of this as a generation compared to the the others is kind of strange because these are all analog technologies. Yes. Um, and, and we're talking we're talking basic stuff. There's really no. Maximum speed because people weren't using data on these connections. They were, they were, in, in terms of data transmission, they were so slow that uh, uh, you know we couldn't do a lot of the things that we do on them now. But they didn't use data. In fact, they didn't no. even use text. We're talking voice, yeah. voice only.
0: Yeah, they, they. <laughs> this
3: is when you used your cell phone to call people.
0: The in the United States, in the United States, you would have two carriers per region. Yeah, because the government said. That in order to avoid monopolies, there must be at least two carriers Mm -hmm. and that they would each be assigned 832 frequencies, these two carriers. Uh 790 of those frequencies were for voice and 42 for data. So 42 for data with 790 for voice. Yeah, you couldn't really use that data for anything.
3: Yeah, it wasn't. Well, the the phones, of course, themselves were not. Geared toward doing this. This is, uh, back when people used to have bag phones. And yes, I actually did have a bag. In fact, it was a second hand bag phone when somebody else tra- uh, traded theirs in. They went, here, you want this?
0: Yeah. When you had a cell phone that looked essentially like a cordless telephone. Yeah. And, you know, you didn't necessarily have a screen or anything on there. You just, you know, you had a phone. Yeah. In
3: fact, this, the one that I had was a handset that was wired to a base and you would plug yeah. the base into the, uh, uh, uh-huh. power adapter into your car. And you know, if you had to make a call, you'd have to on you know take it off the cradle
0: now uh with these frequencies, yeah, on an individual phone, you would actually have uh whenever you would make a call, you'd have a pair of frequencies that mm-hmm. would be in use you'd have one frequency for transmitting your voice and yeah. another for receiving the voice of the person on the other end of the phone,
3: yeah, yeah. and
0: together that would create what we call a channel, so these are those old uh phones where you would try and switch channels the whole reason for this by the way of keeping the frequencies separate and keeping the channels discrete is p- to avoid interference mm-hmm. because some of these old phones you could actually get interference and start to he- overhear someone else's conversation that you had no business being in in the first place actually I've been in several of those conversations as well where I had no business being in that conversation but in those cases, it wasn't due to interference. It was just due to chatty cat- cathies, right there, you know. All right, then. So,
3: actually, that's funny in a way because if you think about it, it sort of harkens back to the uh, time of uh, the party line. Yeah. On on wired telephones on landlines. Yeah. Um. So that that sort of lingers in the past for both technologies.
0: Right. So these technologies, these these standards, were pretty much the only thing available throughout the 80s and into the early 90s. Yeah. And it was only in the early 90s when we began to switch from analog cellular systems to digital cellular systems. Yeah. So and now we had t- uh, new competing standards. Mm-hmm. I, I'd kind of like to, to stop here
3: to talk about uh, cell phones and okay. why they're called cell phones. Because, sure. Because, um, you know, as you're traveling – uh, the signal from one tower will peter out when you get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you are within range of that tower, you should be able to talk to somebody. But, um, the thing is, it, it only works as long as you're in range of, uh, some kind of communications base. So they, uh, they put these in different areas. And of course, when they're mapping that out, um, they're trying to get a good idea of the coverage areas. Um, and they have to, of course, uh, negotiate with different property owners to allow these towers to be built. Um, and the reason I'm bringing that up now is uh, these, this first generation came to be known as cell phones because you would travel from one cell, an of area of, of transmission to another, and you would hop from tower to tower. Yeah. there would um, be a
0: handshake that would take place that would hand you off from one tower exactly. to another tower.
3: Exactly. And the funny thing to me is that uh, around the time of this second generation, when we switched from analog to digital, I remember that uh, a lot of the marketing that went on was uh, going on, was trying to say, oh, well, we're not a cell phone provider. We're a uh, wireless service provider. And it's it's funny because I think they were trying to use that as a distinguishing difference in the technology. But if you heard that, um, it wasn't so much that the I mean you're still traveling from one area of transmission to another area of transmission. It has to be handed off from one tower to the next. But um they wanted to call it something different, just to identify that, hey, you're you're on digital now, you're on a, a better uh quality service, you have more features and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, you don't have to worry about interference the same way you did with analog. There are a lot of differences. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use
1: only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise
0: here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. And I'd be lost without my smartphone. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. So, uh, in Europe that's where global system for mobile began that's GSM mm-hmm. uh, and that standard became pretty prevalent throughout Europe and in other parts of the world as well mm-hmm. uh, the United States also got some GSM but in the us the there were two other standards that started to uh, pop up one was D amps so mm-hmm. digital amps system and then there was a system from Qualcomm uh, called is 95 which stands for interim standard 95. Now this would eventually evolve into code division multiple access phones or CDMA. Mm -hmm. And so CDMA phones and GSM phones are not compatible. Okay. So we've gotten into the second generation of the standards, but you uh, you cannot switch out the components of a CDMA phone and GSM phone and have them work. You can't go from a cdma network to a gsm network or vice versa right Uh, so unless you
3: well you 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 can if you have a phone that will do that but you have to have a phone that will be able to communicate on multiple standards the
0: phone that does that yeah has multiple chips in it so in other words essentially a phone that is allows you to do both cdma and gsm uh, has both sets of circuitry in the phone
3: right yeah i just wanted to clear that up before someone.
0: Right. A standard phone on one of those systems cannot cross over to the other. Exactly. Now,
3: and go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I had a uh, the the phone I had after the bag phone was on a competing technology to that too, which was a, a PCS phone. Yeah. Um now that was used much less than yeah. some of the others, Yeah. But,
0: these are these were the ones that were the widespread standards. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when someone says a 2G two, two phone, they usually are talking about something that's running on this old GSM or IS-95, or possibly CDMA. Uh, And these standards also did not have a lot of support for data. Uh, They had more so than the analog systems did, but it still was not ideal. And in fact, the earliest 2G phones, the best way to send data besides text messages was to use something called circuit-switched data, Mm -hmm. which involved actually placing a call, almost like it's a modem, Mm -hmm. placing a call to another number, And then engaging this circuit switch data, which could send information at about 14.4 kilobits per second. Mm -hmm. And uh, so still not a great experience if you wanted to have something like a smartphone. It just wasn't really practical.
3: Yeah, the information I have (laughs) says that uh, the second generation networks could could hit somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 uh, kilobits per second. Um, and maximum. That,
0: and it really – yeah. And when we start talking about maximums, you guys should know that we're talking about like in the labs. Yeah. Because every time we talk about any standard and we talk about its maximum speed, that's almost never going to happen in a real-world test. Yeah. So uh, if you stand right here, right next to the box, yeah. you can get 20 kilo- – oh, let's put that down. I notice that your pants are glowing, but yeah. you're getting great service. Um, so yeah, next, a with, bit. too close, with GSM, they got a little bit of a boost because actually quite a bit of a boost. The general packet radio service, GPRS, mm-hmm. integrated with GSM, which created the ability to have a persistent data connection over GSM. Mm-hmm. Now, again, like that, that circuit switch data approach, mm-hmm. that was not, that's not persistent, right? It, it, you have to initiate it. It's during a live call and then you, Turn it off. Yeah. Uh, but GPRS allowed for a persistent data connection, so you could send data. It could be asynchronous. You no longer had to connect directly in order to uh, to be able to get data.
3: Yeah. If you think about it, it's almost like a a DSL connection on a phone line. You can be on the phone and on the computer at the same time. Now those those signals are traveling through the same copper wire, but in a different part of it. So they're they're async they're asynchronous. You don't have to yeah. do them at the same time. Um, one of the things that uh, 2G uh, switching over to digital too uh, enabled us to do was to use uh, um, different features like caller ID, yeah, things that weren't available before, or voicemail, and um, uh, you know, at least according to the information that uh, that I've uh, downloaded from from Motorola, I mean things like push to talk. Um those services were not available before and of course the uh, short message service. Right. This is when we started texting. Yes. Uh, of course, you know, when you're doing that with a uh, with a 2G cell phone, you don't have a keyboard. You are doing this with uh you know, number 44221 Yeah, two, two, one. yeah. yeah Actually, exactly one. No, not one. But the other numbers. Yes.
0: So this GPRS integration with GSM, that actually made things a little more complicated because now you suddenly had a standard that was faster mm-hmm. than the other 2G standard. So why do you call it? And here's Henry? the other thing. Yeah. Here's the other problem is that the United Nations Telecommunications Union came up with a set of requirements that you would have to meet in order to call your technology 3G. Mm-hmm. so in this case it's not it's not a question of how much time has passed it's not even a question of whether or not it's a new technology it has to meet certain uh ground level requirements to qualify as three g well even with the gprs integration gsm was not hitting the three g requirements which were at least two megabits megabits per second uh download speed um, uh if you were stationary so if you're if you're staying still with a uh, uh, 3G said it had to be able to get at least two megabits per second of data, uh, or if you were mobile, it had to be at least 384 kilobits per second. Well, GSM with GPRS could not do that. So now we refer to that as a 2.5G technology because it's faster than 2G, but it doesn't quite meet 3G requirements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: This is, I think, too, about the time that we started talking about generations. I don't, yeah. I don't think a lot of people, when I, when i heard people talking about the second generation of uh cellular technology i heard them calling it uh digital or wireless or pcs or you know they had some other name for it they weren't saying hey move up to 2g um but i think when it started uh when we started getting into these newer technologies as uh, the gprs we started hearing well this is you know we're not at 3g yet this is 2.5g and that's yeah. when you started hearing it used as a public uh, not not something that the industry would talk about within itself but you know, right. to the public people said oh well this is a uh, this is more than a, a second generation it's this kind is of, almost a kind of shorthand really yeah, yeah
0: yeah and and it gets even more complicated here all right so the 3G standard is set by the United Nations uh-huh all right so GSM's next generation was Universal Mobile Telecommunications System UMTS um, it starts getting built out however Around that same time as UMTS networks start getting rolled out, another kind of network starts rolling out called CDMA 2000. So this is back to the other standard, the one that's prevalent in the United States. Two and a half G. Yes. That goes back to 2.5G. That's why it's even more confusing because you have a legitimate 3G network rolling out that's UMTS. Mm -hmm. At the same time as a legitimate 3G network is rolling out, a 2.5 networks rolling out called CDMA2000. This
3: won't be the last time something like this happens. No,
0: here's another one. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and do it now because otherwise I'm going to lose my own mind. All right? So here's the second one, which is the enhanced data rates for GSM evolution or edge Edge. network. Now – You've got the successor to GSM, UMTS, that's rolling out. But here's the thing. Not all carriers, not all networks, are going to be able to upgrade at the same level of scale and speed as others.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: they they still want to be able to have really good service because if they don't, then they're going to lose all their customers to networks that have better service, right? This is not the last time that will happen either. So this means that... Uh, there needed to be some, something in between 2.5G and 3G so that these other carriers could stay afloat while they are working on upgrading their networks. And so that was the development of Edge, the enhanced data rates for GSM evolution. It was developed after 3G standards were, were created, but made so that it could boost 2.5G speeds. Uh, enough so that people wouldn't just abandon it wholesale. So some people will go and call Edge a 2.75 G, which makes you go crazy because again, it came after 3G did. Well, let's
3: let's talk a little bit about the data too because um, the uh, the GPRS connections would average around 30 to 40 kilobits per second, although you could get up to about 114. Again, in the lab, yes. <laughs> um, CDMA 2000 could do about sixty to eighty normally, but uh, uh, could probably hit around one hundred and forty-four uh, kilobits per second. And and Edge was a step up at uh, three hundred and eighty-four kilobits per second maximum. Um, and uh, you know the GPRS and Edge were both uh, forks off the GSM tree. Yes. Um, and of course CDMA 2000 was. CDMA,
0: right? Yeah, the, and the, the one that followed up CDMA two thousand was EVDO, which is Evolution Data Optimized. Mm-hmm.
3: The, well, I do have another uh, two point seven five, which is EGPRS two. Oh,
0: no, okay. So an, another another advance on the General Packet Radio Service integration.
3: Exactly, but it's um, it's only you know <laughs> this is also asynchronous because it will do uh, four hundred seventy three kilobits per second upstream. And 1.2 megabits per second downstream. Um, that means uh, it's slower when it's sending data from your phone to the network, and faster as a download, which is something you would want as a uh, generally as a consumer.
0: Um, no, that, that's, that's pretty do. common in almost every uh, every form of network mm-hmm. I've seen. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable, high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in
1: operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or.
0: No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Did you want to talk about the features, too,
3: of the 2.5G? Sure. Uh, Because this is when we started getting MMS. Yep. The multimedia multimedia message service. Right. Um, Basic web browsing um, location-based services, just really basic stuff. I mean, um, you know, there are some apps that run better because all they have to do is send a short bit of information. So these kinds of things started getting off the ground, but not to the point where they are now. Um, but and, and the 2.75 stepped it up a bit in terms of speed and improvements, but uh, 3G was really the big change.
0: Yeah, that's where you've got the UMTS, which came first. That was the GSM version. Mm-hmm. So GSM's UMTS uh that that began to develop and roll out first and then eventually CDMA2000 successor EVDO uh joined it. So those were the 3G standards mm-hmm. uh that that really started to create the the environment that was necessary to have a a really robust smartphone type experience. Yeah. Uh, although we can remember when the you know I remember when the iPhone went 3G. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> It's kind of interesting that, you know, there was a time where even the iPhone wasn't, um, tapping into these, these, uh, these standards. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, of course, uh, moving to 3G gave you full motion video, uh, you could listen to music online and, uh, you know, gave us faster, uh, internet access in general. Yeah. Um, now, uh, as far as UMTS, it could do about 2 megabits per second, um, which
0: is... That's that's right there at the threshold for 3G.
3: Yeah, and it's also a little bit faster than uh, a lot of DSL connections. Mm-hmm. You know, um, still pretty common in the United States anyway to see a 1.5 megabit per second DSL connection. Um, and uh, CDMA 2000 uh, EVDO Revision A... Would do up to 3.1 megabits per second. Yeah. That was a, a revised version of, of EVDO. Yeah,
0: in fact, that revision ended up causing another discussion about whether or not that should be called 3G or 3.5G. So eventually, some people will go ahead and say that EVDO or revision A is 3.5G because the, speeds, the increase in speed was significant enough to boost it up beyond 3G, but it's still far fall below what the International Telecommunic- Telecommunications Union Radio Communications Sector specified as uh, the requirements for 4G, which we'll talk about in a second.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have a EVDO or Vision B clocking in at about 46 or so megabits per second, Yeah, um, which some people call 3.5G. And then there's HSDPA. Um,
0: yeah, all right, so – this, this would be the 3.5 upgrade to UMTS. Yes. So again, UMTS is the GSM line. Uh, HSDPA is high-speed downlink packet access. Uh-huh. They also got HSUPA upgrade, which is high-speed uplink packet access. So essentially what this means is that the improvements to the standards allowed for faster down download and upload speeds. So both... EVDOA Revision A and UMTS with these new upgrades slid into the 3.5G uh, designation more or less. I mean, it's not even an official designation, but that's kind of where we think about it because it's faster than the older versions. Um, now, in March of 2008, the uh, International Telecommunications Union radio communication sector said, here's what is required for you to call your technology 4G and they said it needs to be able to, if you're mobile, it needs to be able to pull down data at 100 megabits per second. And if you are stationary, it needs to be able to do that at a gigabit per second, uh, which is you know that's pretty darn fast. And so now we've got companies trying to develop uh, what will become 4G, but no one has actually hit a technology that does this. That hits, that does these required standards. Um, there are some that talk about getting speeds that are close to that range. And so the companies go ahead and either say that their technology is 4G or it's got 4G speeds.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I think the first of those was probably T-Mobile USA.
3: Yeah. So which was using HSPA plus. Yes,
0: which was another upgrade to UMTS, uh, which could give around 600 megabits per second as a theoretical top speed uh again theoretical uh still not near the gigabit per second range it's just over half of that but not not to the full 4g speed but because it was so much faster than previous generations Mm -hmm. again what do you do do you say that this is the same generation as a phone that can that works at at a fraction of that speed that doesn't make sense to the consumer
3: yeah i'm i'm just as a personal note, I'm, I'm wondering if they maybe set the bar for uh, what they were going to call 4G a little high.
0: Yeah, like um, the jump between 3G and 4G was a little too broad. Yeah, yep. Because there is a lot of of – there's a lot of opportunity for layers within those two generations. Mm-hmm. And as a consumer, it is confusing. If I walk into a store – and i see something labeled 3g and something labeled 4g then i just come to an e- it's a pretty easy conclusion i'm like oh the 4g has to be faster because it's newer uh if i see two different 3g phones i assume if i'm an average consumer that they they transmit data at approximately the same speed mm-hmm. but as we've been discussing if if it's a true if they're truly sticking to 3 versus 4 the variation within that band of 3G phones is so great that you cannot be sure that one phone is going to transmit at the same speed as another.
3: Exactly. And, you know, it also depends on a lot of other things too, like where you are and the kind of phone it is. Uh, The amount of
0: traffic, that's network traffic that's going on at that time.
3: Yeah. I mean, there are, (laughs) yeah. The thing is that, uh, you know, there We've talked about uh, the different. I think we had a conversation about the Verizon iPhone a long time ago. Yeah, and people compared at the time. People were comparing the Verizon iPhone to the AT and T iPhone and talking about the differences in speed and how much faster it was. Well, I mean, they're on two different types of networks, um, and they've built out their networks more, you know, in, in different ways and things like that. And there are a lot of environmental factors that that may play into the speeds. But um, yeah, the 4G – what what people are building out now as 4G networks basically uh, for the most part in the United States have been LTE uh, yeah, long, networks.
0: Long-term evolution. Yeah. For a while, it was going to – it looked like it was going to come down between WiMAX and LTE. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, WiMAX is, uh, is a technology that theoretically could have faster speeds than LTE. Um, and but both there, of them but have been in development for years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So both, and and also, I should add that neither WiMax nor LTE comes close to hitting those benchmarks for a 4G. Even though people have talked about LTE phones being 4G phones, they don't still don't hit the the actual benchmarks that were set by the United Nations. So even though You've got, you know, a phone that's much faster than previous phones. If you're going strictly by technical specifications, they are not truly 4G phones. Right. Which is, again, uh, confusing. And at this point, I think the carriers and the manufacturers have just sort of thrown their hands up and said, forget it, we're calling it what we want.
3: <laughs> yep, yep. Now, um, part of the reason that uh, uh, T Mobile began. The 4G marketing boom was because, uh, they did have the HSPA network plus network and, uh, you know, it, it would do, uh, much faster speeds under ideal conditions than, than the typical 3G networks. So, uh, basically since they're, these things are a little on the fast and loose side, they went ahead and said, Oh, you know what? We're 4G. And, uh, you know, some others kind of hollered about that and said, they're not really 4G, but, in general, the, net, the uh, consumer isn't really interested in that, the average consumer. Yeah,
0: the average consumer wants a shorthand way of knowing how fast the phone works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the other thing I should mention about WiMAX and LTE that's different from these earlier technologies mm-hmm. is that neither of them have a dedicated uh, voice call uh, bandwidth in there. You, in order to make a call over LTE or WiMAX, you call via VoIP. Yes, voice over Internet Protocol. So that's you know that's also different from the previous ones. You know, there's no uh, the entire spectrum within LTE and WiMAX is dedicated to data. So mm-hmm. now we've reached the opposite of what it was when it first started with the analog systems, where it was almost entirely for voice and not data. Now uh, with the latest generations, it's all data, no voice. Mm-hmm. And part of that is that. These, these uh, LT and WiMAX weren't necessarily developed as uh, the newest cell phone technology. It's just mm-hmm. a data transmission technology that's being adopted by the cell phone industry. Right, right. I mean, there are companies within the cell phone industry that worked on developing those standards. But uh, it was more about how do you get data since that's the way a lot of people are using their phones now is really they're using it as a mobile computer rather than a telephone.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um And, uh, the, as far as the, um, some recent changes, there, there were marketing decisions made on behalf of a certain smartphone, uh, manufacturer recently, uh, in which they basically agreed to allow their phones to be called 4G, um, when they weren't before, technically. And, uh, some people were kind of astonished to find out that their phones were suddenly showing 4G. On yeah. the screen. Now, mine actually does that when I travel. If I switch, uh, if, if I'm moving to a, uh, a tower that has a slower technology, or I, I think what it's trying to do is tell me that the speed is different, but, um, you know, it will say, uh, 2G or 3G mm-hmm. when it drops down, but, um, um, you know, of course that's also because, um, the earlier standards, the GSM and CDMA are, you know, compatible. So you can move from one to another. Um, I think 4G networks are, are going to require. I mean, these are not branches of those trees. These are brand new trees. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. That's, that's important to point out. And also, uh, if you do have a phone that allows you to switch from one, like 3G to 2G, uh, that's, you might wonder why that, why you would ever want to do that. I'll tell you why you want to do that. <laughs> okay. Let's say that you are at some major event, like, I don't know, consumer electronics show, CES. And, uh, and you want to try and check your email and you pop on that 3G network and there are 200,000 other people trying to pop on that, that 3G network. Popping over to the 2G network and using that older technology sometimes is much faster. <laughs> uh, cause the network traffic is not as severe. And, uh, I would often switch over specifically to that because it would also drain my battery less as my phone no longer had to try and, and Keep pinging towers to see if it had a a true connection to download any recent data. Um, Yeah, so hopefully we have confused you beyond uh, all measure, because uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, because this is this is definitely a confusing subject, just because the fact that it did not progress linearly. Mm -hmm. Either you know you had you had companies that would develop uh, a technology that would be a, a generation ahead then go back and develop technologies that fill in gaps and it wasn't necessarily like if you go chronologically it doesn't quite match up and uh, and the fact that you have two different standards two different lines of standards that are battling it out makes it even more confusing so yeah it's that's why it's such a mess and why you know calling something 3G or 4G is in in uh, arguably
3: somewhat meaningless. Yep. You know, what we didn't touch on one one thing. I think the reason why uh cuz you may be saying, okay, well, if they had 3G, why didn't they just go ahead and build a an LTE network instead of, you know, playing with all these other interim standards? I think that's because the the hardware, you know, they they could make improvements to those technologies without having to spend as much money as building a whole new tower with whole new equipment. Right. Um so they could make improvements to their equipment and offer that to their customers without having to spend the money to uh invest in a new technology, especially if it wasn't ready yet. Um and you know the cell phone business is pretty competitive. So uh, say what? Pe- <laughs> yeah. So people want to you know, if, if you'll excuse the pun for once, uh, you know, people want to find an edge over their competitors and so they're gonna say, well, we have slightly faster technology than they do. Yeah. And then they the others leapfrog and it just keeps you know, they keep uh, updating firmware and switching out wires and changing a broadcast tower, you know, that, that's less expensive than
0: going, hey, let's build a whole new network while wow, it's expensive. Yeah, good times. So, if you guys have any subjects about which you would like to be further confused, let <laughs> us know. You can send us a message via email. Our address is textstuck at discovery.com or you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw and Chris and I will talk to you again maybe on the phone really soon.
1: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House Stuff Works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House Stuff Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. listen to the assignment with Audie Cornish streaming now on the iHeartRadio app
2: Hey this is John Ridley and this is Matt Carey documentary editor at Deadline and welcome to Talk Talk John we've got a hard hitting episode today a lot of controversy